Thank you for downloading this week's podcast from First Baptist Church of Lutz in Lutz, Florida. To find out more information about our church, please go to lutzfbc.org and look around. Hey, this month's conversation is around the prodigal son as our pastor unpacks this parable and looks at different character each week. Now, here is this week's message from our pastor. Church, today we're in our second week of the Prodigal series, and today we're looking at the character of the Father, and so that is what's going to drive our content, going to drive us here today. Here is what verse 24 says of Luke 15. It says this, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. They began to celebrate. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not a big fan of alarm clocks at all. Uh, In particular, my wife makes fun of me because I I have to set about five to ten alarms just to get up. Um, And I wake up on the first one sometimes, not always. And uh, normally it just, you know, it starts off slow. You know, it's like the little harp, it's, you know. Ah, oh, it's a beautiful day to wake up, right? That's how it should start. And then by the time you get to my ninth or 10th alarm, it is like, it's blaring. It's like, it's over. Like, it's time to get up. There's a, there is like a fire alarm going off or something. It's time to get up. And I thought about that because there's a book by uh, an author I like to read, Craig Rochelle. It's out of his AHA Moments book. And he says this. Often we miss the alarms sounding in our lives because we're not sensitive to them. The soft harp alarm won't do the job. It is going to take a blaring alarm to wake us up. So instead of responding to the alarm early, we keep hitting the snooze button. The alarm grows louder and louder until eventually it is so unpleasant we can't ignore it any longer. So we what? We wake up. We rub our eyes. We look around to find the prodigal son's pigs surrounding us. And we wonder, how did we come to this? How did we get here? Well, this morning, that is what we're going to be looking at. And are there alarms sounding in our life right now that that we need to be taken attentive to or listen to or respond to? Our main idea is this. God pursues us. God pursues us no matter our story. Our God still pursues us, still goes after us. Our key question is this, does God still love us when we are even at our lowest in sin? Does our God still love us? Will our God still love us when we are at our lowest, when our lowest in sin? There's there's three responses of the Father. We're going to be looking at each of them today. Here is the first response of the Father The father loved his son. The father, look at the prodigal, this famous parable. The father, his response is he loved the son. Let's let's read verse 11 and on. It says this. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and he took a journey into a far country. 
And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. And he began to be in need. So he went. He hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to feed, to be fed, sorry, to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I'll rise up. I'll go to my father. I'll say to him, father, I've sinned against you. Father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer and worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose. And he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. He felt compassion. He ran, embraced him, and kissed him. No, we look at this. We look at this story. And I shared this last week. The father in, the, in this parable, this famous parable, he, he, did not, he did not agree with or accept his father, I mean, his son's decision to do this. But instead, he did what? He didn't deny the request. He gave in to the son's request. He, he, he gave in. He gave the son the, his, his portion, the, the one-third of the inheritance. You know, and I was thinking this past week, the prodigal. We think about prodigal. We think about this, this thing. We think of someone who, who's a runaway, who just runs away from home. Someone who is just, man, they're just running away. They want to get away from every little thing. And, and sometimes... I think we got to look at the English word for this and what the Greek says here. A prodigal is someone who's living a reckless life. Someone who, who, who chooses to live a life that is reckless. A life that they spend wasteful and wasteful living. Being apart from God, being, being, doing what they think is best, just reckless. You know, Deuteronomy has a lot of really good stuff and, and some deep stuff in there. But in Deuteronomy chapter 21, it talks about what to do with a rebellious son. Deuteronomy chapter 21, it says he's to be executed. Just think about that for a moment. And, and Jesus' audience, his audience is, is people who know the Deuteronomy law. It's people who know, who know the, the, this text, who know the Pentateuch, who know the first five books of the Bible, who know the law. And, and Jesus is saying that the father gave in to him. And then the son came back and the father ran out to him. I mean, the, the, the religious leaders are probably about to lose it. Like, what is he talking about? Deuteronomy says that you're, he's to be executed. But, but let's just, this New, New Testament scholar, Kenneth Bailey, says this. First century Jewish custom dictated that if a Jewish boy rejected the family, went against his father, the community would break a large pot in front of him. And they would cry out, so-and-so is cut off from his people. And this ceremony was called Keziah, literally the cutting off of, of, of someone. 
And after it's performed, the community would have nothing to do with this reckless and wayward person anymore. And so in this, the father loved his son. The father pursued after his son. This, is, this goes against everything that these religious leaders know of. The audience that Jesus is talking to, this goes the opposite way of everything that they're used to and everything that the, the, the law says for them to do. And so the father goes to the son. He pursues after his son. He also, as we'll see next week, he pursued after the older brother. The father ran to the prodigal. The father, he, he ran. He, he, he ran to the prodigal. But that's, man, that's, that's unheard of. That's unheard of. The father, for the father to run after the son, I thought about this. His heart, the father's heart had to change. When you think about it, when the son comes to him and says, hey, give me my portion. Give me, I wish you were dead. Give me what's due to me. And then the father runs after that prodigal, after this reckless man. The father's heart was changed. He welcomed his son back. He ran after his son. He chased him down. This past Wednesday night, I went to sit in with the students and I, I snuck myself into one of the groups as, as I sometimes do. And, and I sat down and I just started teaching to them, uh, small group, waiting for their small group leader to come in. And they were looked a little shocked at me when I, why I was sitting in there with them and talking to them. But uh, I pursued after. I kept talking and, and kept teaching. And I went through, I talked about grace and then their small group leader came in and we had this deep conversation on grace. And I thought about grace and in the situation. Grace is unmerited, right? It is, an un, it is so undeserved. But we received grace from God the Father. We received grace and mercy and love from him. When we accept and receive God's grace, then we understand love. We can understand what grace is so we can shower and show grace to other people. When we receive grace, this undeserving gift, this undeserving merit, our life changes forever. And, and this father is, is showing grace to his son. He's, he loves his son. He's pursued after his son. He wants the best for his son. I wonder... Have you and I experienced God's grace? Have we found, have we experienced the grace of God and have we found our hope, our hope in God and God alone? It's a lot of different things out there that, that they say they can provide that to us, but, but God's the only one who can provide that and show that to us. J.D. Greer, when he was talking about the prodigal son, he said this, you see, you should think of the story as if you were watching a split screen. On one side of the sun, one side is the sun in reckless living. On the other is the never stopping, never giving up love of the father. When you're reading the story, you tend to forget about him. But you can't because throughout the whole journey, he's watching and waiting and never ceasing to love his boy. 
You see, when the prodigal came back, he, he denied. Now, he never denied anything. He didn't flee. He accepted. He admitted, and he confessed everything to his father. It was a big deal for the father and the son to reconnect like this. I mean, think about the history I just shared with you, the Deuteronomy law and, and all of this, and for them to reconnect. Aren't we glad? Aren't we glad that the father didn't turn his back on the son? Aren't we glad that the, the father went to see the son, went to love on the son, to go meet him? It reminds me that God has our best intentions and our God does the same thing. Our God thinks of us. Our God wants us to be in communion with him. Our God wants us to be in harmony with him and to be into a restoration with him, to be restored in him and him alone. When we read this text and we think about this whole moment here, the father, you know, we read this, the father sees his son and runs after him. Can I tell you that I have missed that for years? Because I'm thinking, oh, the son's coming back, the father sees him, he just run into him. You know, I see that part, I get that part. But I, this past week as I was studying this, it hit me hard. The father has been looking for that son. We don't know how long he's been gone, but the father is looking for him. He's looking for his son. He's waiting for his son to come back. He's waiting for the wayward, reckless son to come back home. That father had hope. That father is, 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 was hopeful that his son would come back, that he, that he could be restored again. The father had already forgiven the son in his heart. The proof of that, he's looking for his son. He's waiting for his son to come back home again. The other thing I see here is the father wanted to see the son before anyone else did. And see, I, you know, I, I get that. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, he wants to go see him. And, and he just wants to, man, he wants no one else to touch his son. He just wants to hug and love on him. But that's actually not quite accurate. See, the father wanted to run and go see the son before anyone else because he was afraid that maybe someone might bring damage to his son. I just told you that, that the tradition is that you drop this pot and you say so-and-so is, is excommunicated. They're, they're, they're cut off from us. See, the, the father doesn't want his son to be cut off. He wants his son to come home. So he runs. <laughs> the exact word in the Greek is he sprinted. <laughs> he sprinted to his son. He didn't want no one to touch his son. He wanted no one to bring damage to his son. He wanted no one to bring scorn and shame to his son. He wanted to be with his son. This past week, I was thinking through this whole idea of, you know, the, the son could have ran away, could have fleed, and could never came back home. And I was thinking through this whole idea of his whole life change, and I was, in, I was processing this, and I thought, man, how many times in life when things aren't going my way, when, when we get worn out, we get stressed, we face battles, do we, do we actually run away? And you say, well, Scott, we, didn't, we don't run, actually run away. 
but we actually maybe do <laughs> because we run to social media. Some of us run to social media. Some of us run to different addictions. Some of us run to different people. And some of us run everywhere else but to God. I thought it is time for us to come back to God. It's time for us to run home. The Father wants to embrace us. The Father wants us to come home. The Father wants us to be in communion with him again. The God wants us to, to be united with him, be restored in him again. What a great image for us today. We wonder why we feel like we drifted away from God. We are wayward and not running or coming back to God. Sometimes when it's like, hey, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm drifting. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm not where I need to be with God. It's, here's why. We're wayward. We're not running or coming back to God. We're going everywhere else but to God. Which leads us to second, to our second thing the Father did. He humbled himself. The Father humbled himself. Let's read it in verse 20, 22. He arose. He came to his Father. But while he was still a long way off, his Father saw him. He felt compassion. He ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Humbling is a hard thing to do. A few Thanksgivings ago, you know, my mom gets out her, her, good, her good dishes and her good, uh, her good napkins. They're white. And she gets them out and, and they're all there. And, you know, I, being a helpful person, I, I threw something else in there too uh, with the white napkins that was red. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my mom comes out and goes, you know, who put, who put some red in there? It's, I got pink. I now have pink. <laughs> My nice napkins are now pink. It's, of course, like I'm looking around like, oh, boy. <laughs> who did that? So, you know, I'm letting my nephews and my niece, you know, let them enjoy the pain for a little bit. And, and then finally, I'm like, you know what? It was me. And it was humbling. It was hard. Lee and I talked about that last night. It was hard to, to admit that, hey. Yeah, that was me. I don't know why I did it, but I, for some reason I decided to throw some red in there. But um, humbling is a hard thing to do. But the father in this story, he humbles himself. Though the father of the wayward, reckless son humbled himself. He chose to humble himself. He saw the son from afar, and he went after him. He went after him. He would rather take the abuse and the scorn from the community, from the town, than his son take it. He would rather have that on him. He would rather the community to be talking about him instead of his son. He would rather take all that on himself. And then it said the father ran to the son. He didn't send a messenger. He didn't send a servant to go get the son. The father 
went to the son. The same son that said, I wish you were dead, dad. That father, that dad went after his son and ran to him. He personally met his son. You don't see a lot of men running. (laughs) Normally, if you see a man running, something's wrong. Or they're robbing something, but either one. It's something's not good. But the father, in biblical times, in this time period, a father, a man to run did not happen. That was very, that was not something that, that would happen at all. Especially because they wore robes and, well, you can't really run a marathon in, in a robe or, or run pretty far at all and fast in a robe. It's gonna hinder you back down to your ankles. But a man of this stature to humble himself, to, to run in his robe, to run to his son, showed that in this moment, his emotion dominated his heart, that he forgot everything else, that his emotions, he wanted to be with his son, he wanted to be reunited, he wanted to bring this restoration, he wanted to keep his son from scorn and from, from damage, that he ran to his son. He humbled himself. The prodigal should have been the one humbling himself. The prodigal should be the one lowering himself down and say, Dad, I'm, you know, all this, but he didn't. The father is the one in the scene who humbled himself. The father ran to his son who is covered in pink and pig stank and sin. It was the father who humbled himself. You know, I think about that. The only way for us to be atoned for our sins, I can't atone for my own sins. But it's only the Father who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to be that that innocent lamb, to die on the cross for me and you. That's the only way. The father had to humble himself too. Jesus took on flesh and I thought, I think about that. Innocent blood had to be shed for you and I. We need a substitute to humble themselves to die on the cross for us. You and I, we need a father. We need, we need the heavenly father because in him is where we get our relationship restored. In him, we find Jesus. In him, we find restoration. In him, we find hope. In him, we find life. The, the son who ran away, the wayward, the reckless son has now had a change of heart. Now he loves the father. The father he hated, the father he wanted to be separated from, now he loves. Now he loves his father. In this, in this parable, the, the, just the whole scene here in, in Luke chapter 15, it starts off with this image of a parable of the lost sheep, where, where he leaves the 99 to go after the one. And then the next parable is the lost coin. And, and then it's the lost son, the, the, the wayward son, the prodigal son. You know, 
I don't know about you, but if I lose $10, I'm gonna go look for it. But I mean, you know, I'm not gonna go like broke over it, but I mean, $10, I'm at least gonna go chase it down a little bit. I'm gonna look for it. Because I wanna go to McDonald's or, or somewhere else. But I, uh, but if I lose $10, I mean, I, I, feel the, I feel a little bit of pain. I feel pain, I feel pain. If I lose my cell phone or my keys, I'm turning the whole house upside down. I'm going crazy. I, want, I need it. I need to drive. I need my phone. I need my phone. Where's it at? I'm, going, I'm, I'm flipping cushions over. I'm pushing couches. I'm looking around. I want to find. Where is it? Where did it go? Did one of the children hide it from me? I don't know. I got to go find it. I got to go find it. And then that, that's the image I, in my mind, the $10 and the cell phone, but a lost person. That's a little different. If I'm turning the house upside down over my keys <laughs> or my cell phone, imagine what the father is doing over his son. And that's what this picture is. This, this whole image is that he's, he's going, he's doing whatever. He wants his son back. J.D. Greer says this, the climax of, of this trilogy of parables in the last one, the story of the lost son, if you are anxious to find lost money or a lost sheep, you're desperate to find a lost child. You're, you're desperate. This desperation, God feels for the one that is lost. God loves us. God wants us to be in communion with him. The father wants us to be restored. The father doesn't want us to stay wayward or reckless. The Father wants us to come home. The Father doesn't want us to run everywhere else. He wants us to find hope in him, to find restoration in him, to find life in him. The third thing the Father does is this. He forgave without reservation. He forgave without reservation, verse 22. But the Father said, the Father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe, and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And, and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. And they began to celebrate. I love celebrating. I love it. I love, I, I have a, I was known over the last 19 years, I was known for every time someone gave their life to Christ, I would bring a cake or ice cream or something. I would go all out. Because my thing is this. I'm gonna be honest, I'm gonna just, I'm being very transparent with you today. The angels in heaven are rejoicing after one person, over one soul. They're not the only ones who are gonna have a party. Your pastor's gonna have a party too because when someone goes from death to life, we gotta celebrate that. We gotta celebrate. We gotta go crazy over that. That's exciting. John MacArthur and Tale of Two Sons shared about these three items, the, the sandals, the robe, and the ring. And I want to just share them with you. The, the, the sandals is a gift of sonship. When, when the father says, give him the sandals, that's a big deal. Because that is the first part of the restoration. It's the gift of sonship. You, the, the only people who wear shoes is the master and his family. And so for him to be given these shoes, he's been restored. 
The, the father is restoring him, is giving him back, hey, you're my son. I am bringing you back up. You are now my son again. The robe. The robe is a gift of honor. The robe is what you wear <laughs> to fancy things. It's, uh, it would be like a tuxedo today. I know, robe, tuxedo, don't really, but that's, that's what it is. It's only worn at the most significant occasions. So to give that to his son is important. Some translations in verse 22 says, it is the first ranking garment he gives to him. And then the ring, the third thing, the ring is the gift of authority. It's the father giving the family crest on a ring to his son. He's giving his son authority again. The father was granting and giving the son not only full forgiveness and reconciliation, no, but he also was giving his son full privilege of a noble man's son. Luke 15, 7. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. When we go back to the Father, you know, last week I said we're all prodigals. We're all prodigals. Until we come to Father, until we come to salvation, we're prodigals. But there's other times in our lives where, where, we, where we are reckless, where we, we choose other things, where we pursue other things instead of going to the Father. We, we think we know what's best for our lives, and so we say, hey, God, you stay over there. I got this. As one preacher said to me once, Scott, when, when you give your life to Jesus, he gets every part of your life, your finances, your dating, your marriage, everything. He gets every part of your life, nothing you hold back from him. He, he, has, he has access to every part of your life and every skeleton you think you have in your closet, he has access to all of it. In church, this morning, God has pursued us. Our father sent Jesus to earth, the blameless lamb to die on the cross for you and I. God wants us to be restored. God wants us to come back home. God wants us to find restoration in him. God wants us to find hope in him. There's a story, came out in 2018. The guy's name is Frank, he's a dad. They don't, he doesn't share, share any more of his information besides his name is Frank from, from San Diego. But in Colorado, he decided one day that, that his son had ran away. His son was getting into some pretty heavy drugs and was getting into some pretty heavy stuff. And so the father one day was outside and he was doing landscape at his house and just tears running down his eyes and he had his son, he knew was in and out of prison and in and out of hospitals and just kind of the latest phone call wasn't a good phone call. And so the father, knowing he's been trying to get his son to rehab or get his son some help, just finally says, you know what? Tells his wife, hey, I'm gonna go chase him down. I have an idea where he's at in Colorado. I'm gonna go chase him down. So the father, Frank, 
flies in and stays one week with his son. And he lives on the streets. He eats with his son. He begs for food with his son. He does everything with his son for that whole week. And his goal was that his son, at the end of it, that he could get his son to come back home. And all these different pastors in the area in 2018, they all picked the story up and they were all trying to help out and do everything they can to help this, this father. And I thought about that because this father lowered himself. He chased down the son. He lived with him. He did everything that his son was doing. He wanted to be there with him. And so as the son was doing things he should not be doing, the father sat there and was praying over him and trying to bring him back home. And so Church, I'm telling you, our God is doing the same thing. He wants us to come back home. He wants to bring us back in. He wants us to be restored. He wants us to stop chasing after all these different things and just come home. Several years ago, J.D. Greer, when he preached a sermon, he said this, where is the shame from what the son did? It's gone. The only one who experiences any shame in the story is the father as he runs to his son. Where is the punishment? There's not a drop of punishment. (laughs) Who pays for the reckless living? Not the son. It's the father who absorbs all of that. Instead of shame and beating and humiliation, there are robes, honors, and parties for the son. Church, this morning, I believe there are three type of people in here a prodigal who needs to come home, a parent of a prodigal, and a saved or repentant person who says, hey, I need to be baptized. I believe those three people are in this room today. And here's what I'm gonna do. In just a few moments, I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna pray over this moment, but I'm also gonna, I'm gonna pray for these three people. And I'm gonna pray that, that in the moment that as I stand down front here, I want to pray that we respond faithfully. And if you're in a seat, I want to encourage you to pray. If you're not one of these three people, hey, that's fine. But pray for the person who is. Pray for them. Pray. As I'm praying now, pray for this story. Pray for a, for a happy ending, for a story, for an exciting moment to happen here. For people to come home to God the Father today. Let me pray for us. Lord, I, I, I pray right now, Lord, we're gonna go into just a moment. I'm gonna stand down front and, and Lord, we're gonna respond faithfully, Lord. But Lord, I pray right now, Lord, for that prodigal, that maybe in this room, Lord, that, that person, Lord, who, who does not have a relationship with you, Lord, I pray for them right now. I pray right now, Lord, that in this moment, Lord, they'll give their lives to you. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, if there's someone in this room right now, Lord, you're calling them in to salvation. You're calling them in to a moment of saying, hey, it's time to come home. It's time to be restored. It's time to come to salvation. Lord, if that is uh, someone in this room right now, Lord, I pray right now, Lord, I pray in their seat right now, Lord, they'll, 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 they'll say this. Jesus, I want to receive you today. I want to make you the Lord of my life. I want to make you my savior I'm surrendering my life to you right now. I admit that I'm a sinner. I'm putting my faith and my trust in you. 
I'm making the Lord of my life. I'm a sinner and I'm ready to come home. Lord, if there's a person in this room right now, Lord, who has prayed that prayer, Lord, who's prayed that prayer, Lord, you're calling them into salvation. Lord, they've never done this before, Lord, but you're calling them into salvation right now, Lord. I pray in these next few moments, Lord, they'll come down and talk to me as I'm down here at the altar. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, for a parent of a prodigal right now. Lord, you know what's going on in that family, Lord. You know what's happening in that situation. Lord, I pray for restoration. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that that you will bring hope to this family. Lord, that, that you will, Lord, they will know that you're walking with them in this moment. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that, that help them, Lord, to, Lord, help them in this moment, Lord, as they're trying to, to process, Lord, help them not to, not to blame themselves, Lord, but have them, Lord, just to lean and trust on you, Lord. You're, you are the one in control of this. Lord, you're the one, Lord, who, can, who has the power and the authority and the might to bring that prodigal back home today. Lord, may this parent not stop praying for the prodigal child. And may the church surround this family or these families and help them, Lord, in this moment. Lord, I pray, lastly, Lord, there's someone here, Lord, who says, hey, hey, I'm a believer. I gave my life to Jesus. I just haven't been baptized yet. Lord, I pray now, Lord, just tug on their hearts, Lord. Lord, this is not a, doesn't save them, Lord. It's a symbol. It's an old self dying, new self being risen up in you. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, for, for people to respond in this moment. Lord, I pray. I pray that we'll be a church that welcomes in prodigals. And we're a church that helps to restore prodigals and helps them to find the Father who loves them, who humbled himself by taking on flesh and dying on the cross for us. And God who forgives. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, in this moment, Lord, if someone, if someone is one of you to left you today, Lord, if someone needs prayer, Lord, if someone is ready for a baptism, Lord, I pray, as I stand down front right now, Lord, I pray, may they come down here. May they come down and talk to me, Lord. May they respond in this moment, Lord. Lord, praise in your name, amen. Hey, thank you for joining us. If God is speaking to you and you want to respond to today's message, please message us at tech, T-E-C-H, at lutefbc.org. Hey, also follow us on Facebook and our podcast. Hope you have a great week.